All right, gonna give us a little bit of a moment here to get started. See how we're doing here. With a live episode here at the Writer's Lens. Let's give it a little bit of a moment. Okay. All right, so we're doing a live episode today. I've been, I've been on a bit of a sabbatical with podcasting. And uh, maybe this is just one way to get back into the swing of things. Uh, kudos to those who've been listening throughout the, the dark times without the writer's lens. I know that you all have missed me very, very much. But anyway, I'm your host, JC Alfalto, and talking storytelling and, and themes and concepts and ideals found in story. I know there's a lot of static out there right now with a lot of different subjects, but this is why I wanted to do something completely off the topic of what is mainstream. So here we go. <laughs> so here's something that's been brewing for me as of late. Many of you who are perhaps my age, my generation, in their 30s or 40s, maybe even late 20s at this point, may have grown up on something called Toonami. It was on Cartoon Network, and it was this two-hour block, I think every weekday, that featured TV shows from overseas, and they were typically anime. And so this was my first introduction to things like Sailor Moon, uh, uh, Dragon Ball Z, uh, Cowboy Bebop, the original, the OG Akira slash Akira, which was many considered to be sort of like the grandfather of anime and its explosion in the West. But anywho, uh, these were Japanese-owned uh, quote-unquote cartoons, animated stories that were very different from Western-style stories because cartoons for the longest time were always associated with being for kids, whereas anime tended to float between young people to young adults to actually adult material which we won't get into the really adult material because that's just not the topic for today, but wanted to talk about a particular show that caught my eye and my interest when I was a teenager, which was called Tenchi Muyo. And for those that don't know what Tenchi Muyo is, uh, it's a massive, massive uh, series. Okay, it's a franchise that has multiple splits in it. It's got a lot of different uh, sort of parallel universes that it exists within. And uh, it, it, I guess it could be compared almost like the X-Men comics, how they've gone in so many different directions. But it all focuses primarily on one simple theme, which is the idea that the main character, the protagonist, who's a boy, ends up somehow becoming the object of affection of multiple different women. And the idea is that, you know, he's not even really deserving of it. Although as the story goes on, you begin to side with him like, oh, yeah, he's actually a pretty good guy. He's got a lot of good qualities, good values. But the idea that all of these different women from a very diverse backgrounds, many of them even contentious with one another, would somehow find them find themselves fixated on the same love interest who is this, this boy tends to be sort of the crux of the show. And what in anime land, in manga land, what this is end up, uh, ends up being called as a genre is a harem comedy. And the harem comedies uh, or harem storylines like I said, have all the same basic function. It's about this idea that there's a there's a guy, typically it's a guy, and again, he's fawned over by many different women. And from a Western perspective, when you see this happening, you look at this kind of show and you kind of say, okay, well, there's all these different girls. Who's he going to pick, right? Who's he going to pick? But before I get ahead of myself, I just want to give a quick overview of what exactly Tenshi Muyo was about, aside from, the, aside from it being part of the harem comedy genre. So first of all, Tenchi is, is kind of like a sci-fi fantasy 
uh, fiction story uh, about a young boy. He's like 15, 16 years old. His name is Tenshi Masaki, and he is training under his grandfather at a Shinto temple in Japan. And he's heard this legend of a, of a sort of a demon that is trapped in a in a mountainside somewhere. Well, of course, Tenshi ends up unlo uh, unlocking the door down to where this demon is, and it ends up being a woman, of course, who's been mummified for years, for like 700 years. She was sealed down there by an ancient warrior named Yosho with a legendary sword. So already it's got all kinds of things riddled with it that young boys would be interested in. So Tenshi wakes up this demon. Here it's this beautiful woman, now that she's fully formed, who can go through walls. She can shoot laser beams from her hands. She can change forms. She has a lot of different powers. And her first act is to basically take out her vengeance on Tenchi. So she attacks him one, one night while he's at school. He can't believe what's happening. Uh, but he ends up defeating her. He actually ends up defeating her with this legendary sword, which is basically like a lightsaber. And he defeats her. He cuts off her hand. She grows it back, of course. And then she winds up in his bed. Uh, he comes home and kind of innocently she's lying there. Uh, there's no nudity or anything like that. It's, it, it's more so to imply the idea that she's going to be around him now. And he's like, what are you doing here? And, you know, she decides she's going to stay. And everybody's okay with this. And the story goes off from there as you begin to find out that this character, Ryoko, is actually very interested in Tenchi romantically. The second episode introduces another character coming from outer space, uh, a girl with her younger sister, who's after Ryoko, who then also ends up being smitten with Tenchi. Then the next episode, I believe there's an, another girl. She was like a galactic police officer. She ends up being smitten with Tenchi as well. And then there's a childlike genius who's like 20,000 years old who can control her age, who actually is the mother of Ryoko. She ends up being interested in Tenchi for various reasons. So, so there's, you can see where this is going. So every single episode, it builds on this idea. That there's this growing group of girls that are interested in Tenchi. And Tenchi ends up uh, playing this position where he defends the girls. He wants to protect them. So there, you know, there's these good themes of courage and bravery in there and that he wants to defend them and whatnot, but he's kind of this gawky guy. But as he's going through this, as you're going through the series with him, you start to side with him a bit because he's a, he's a good uh, character. You know, he's a guy who genuinely cares about everybody that he encounters, including his grandfather and his dad and, and all these other things in between. Well, he, he defeats this bad guy who comes from outer space to take a hold of his gems. And in all of this, and as all of this happens, um, you're left wondering as a viewer, like I said earlier, who is Tenshi going to be with? You know, who is he going to choose? You know, who is going to be the girl who will be the apple of his eye at the end of this series? Now, I stopped watching Tenshi years ago. Uh, they never did the dub release, I think, beyond like episode 13. There were some parallel stories that were made called like Tenshi Universe. There was like a Tenshi in Tokyo. There was a couple movies I never saw. So I never really, you know, dialed in to any of the expanded universe beyond those things, at least what I saw in Toonami, because this was back in the day where the internet just didn't play videos for you whenever you searched them on YouTube or something. You actually had to wait every single day to see a new episode and see what was waiting for you. Uh, so anyway, I didn't catch it. You know, I didn't see the ending of this mainline story. Well, as of recently, uh, just through happenstance for me, just wondering, hey, whatever happened to that story? I end up finding out via the YouTubes and other social media sites that Tenshi came to an end. And when I searched for it, I saw some of the footage of some of the episodes of the ending of the mainline canon. And I come to find out that Tenshi ends up marrying not just one, but seven different women. And this is the end of the story. And it really struck me as odd that that was the way the story concluded. 
But there's literally a scene at the end of it where he's walking along and there's this image I think on the internet you can find too where he's standing in the middle on either side of him are four of the girls and then three on the other. And so you have the five girls from the original part of the story that I had, I had mentioned who are actually sisters, by the way. There's a sister and there's a mother-daughter combination. And then there's this new girl who's like from a distant planet who was like going to be his fiance or something. And then she ends up like cutting her hair and she ends up becoming, uh, you know, married to him anyway. And then, uh, and then there's a seventh character who is literally a animal that can turn into a spaceship that can also turn into a human being. And she becomes a, a human being, a young woman, uh, which again, it, it's odd. <laughs> like that part of it is just very weird. So, so he marries all seven of these girls and this is the end of the story is the idea that he marries all of them. And I think it's kind of a political marriage. It's also uh, done for the sake of like, there's supposed to be peace in the galaxy. Tenchi's sort of this immortal being at this point. He's, he's garnered all this power. He's, uh, he's marrying a goddess essentially and a demon and all these other things. And I just, I was like reading this and going, this can't be how it ends. Like this just can't be how it ends because from my observation, there's two things going on with Tenchi. Uh, two things about this that I wanted to talk about in this episode that I'm doing live is the first thing is that I can see why Tenchi is attractive. It was attractive to me as a youngster, as a teenager, because it plays on this fantasy that a boy won't have to work hard to earn a girl's, uh, you know, adoration that girls will just flock to him and it'll be easy for him then to find a mate or to be with a girl uh, you know, just very primal, you know, sort of primal instincts on the part of being a guy, which is I want to go out and find an attractive girl that I can sleep with, right? Like that, that's what drives a lot of young boys, especially during those hormonal years, kind of like when Tenchi's 15, 16 years old in the story. Same concept when you're a young teenage kid. Uh, and, and if that is never really tempered, if you go all the way through life, as you see with many men, they are boys in men's bodies. But that's, again, a whole nother, whole nother episode we could do. But point being, it plays on that fantasy. It plays on this idea that as a young boy, young man, we don't have to work hard. We, you know, girls are just going to come to us. They're going to be diverse and, and their personalities are going to be interesting and we're never going to be bored. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're just going to throw themselves at us and they're going to take care of us in some way. All we have to do, all we have to do as the guy is just wait for them and maybe fight a bad guy once in a while to prove our worth, which is what Tenchi does. But for the most part, you know, they're just going to be around and they're going to be there for us sexually. They're going to be there for us emotionally and all these other things. So there's this fantasy there of that. The second part of this is the delusion to me that a man can actually marry seven different women. And that's supposed to be the good ending because it's not the good ending. It's not the best ending as far as I'm concerned. In fact, I was very depressed and disappointed when this was the ending of Tenchi Muyo. Um, and it's... Not because I, this idea of like, oh, uh, I'm against polygamy because I am against polygamy, but this whole concept that somehow all of the girls would be happy, that all of that Tenchi would be happy with this arrangement. Um, because if you look at reality, if you look at, at real life, if you've ever lived in reality, you know that any relationship that goes beyond two parties in a tangible sense ends up being a failure for at least one person involved. Somebody gets jealous. Somebody gets envious of what's going on. You know, whenever there's a love triangle that, that happens, uh, human beings, men and women are built for intimacy of a very personal kind. I mean, that's the idea behind marriage is that you share 
your life together. You have shared experiences with one other person. It builds a bond. It creates a deeper bond. It creates roots with one person. Uh, it's not like you're eliminating your resources, but you're making a commitment to somebody because they're making the same commitment to you. But you can't make that same level of commitment to five, six, seven different people and expect it to be fruitful and expect it to be good. Now, it could be fruitful in the sense of as a guy, you could get all of them pregnant and here's all your kids all at once. And if that was your only goal, then so be it. I mean, we've seen that throughout history, how well that goes. But the idea, again, that this will somehow be a good arrangement or that it's the it's a happy ending for everybody is a delusion. Okay, it's it's not actually how marriage should be or even how it should end. You know, there's a there's a show on TLC called Sister Wives, which is uh, is which was popular for for many seasons, many years. I feel bad for those people. I mean, I feel bad for everyone involved, and I mostly feel bad for the kids. The fact that they were put on t live television and basically have to answer the question of, well, you know, I have my dad who's my dad. I know he's my dad. And then I have my mom, but then I have my half brothers and half sisters that my dad is married to another mom and they're my half brothers and half sisters. Like you have to be kind of indoctrinated to believe that the intimacy is real in that show. Um, and I could watch as many episodes as I want of that. And I would still not be convinced in the ones that I have watched, that it's a happy, happy life. Now, I'm not saying that all heterosexual marriages are all just happy-go-lucky all the time, but at least we could say from just living in reality and understanding how people are, that that's the best case scenario and opportunity for two people to experience that intimacy and connection and love that we're all looking for is in marriage, okay? Like that is primarily where uh, we're going to find it is through the connection of two individuals like that between a man and a woman in marriage. Doing something like that, like in Sister Wives, or doing something like this in Tenchi is a delusion. It's 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 not going to play out well. And again, despite how it might be presented on Sister Wives or even how it's been going, I I just don't see how that could possibly be good for the girls. I mean, if anything, it's it should be degrading to the women that this is how their arrangement is, that they, they kind of like trade with the husband every now and again, and he gets to sleep with her one night and they get to sleep. I mean, you have to see how quickly this, this breaks apart or the women just have to get used to it and just deal with it. I mean, I feel bad for them. I feel bad for them. You know, it should not be that way because we all have spheres of relationships and friendships and, and you know, those that we go deeper with, with our, or our friends, we share certain things with. It's all about what experiences you share with other people. And in marriage, those experiences are to be intimate. They're supposed to be close. You're going to see, you're going to see the worst parts of a person in marriage, but that's also why you're married to them. So you can uplift them and encourage them because it's not really about you. It's about them and building them up. But again, in this ending for Tenshi, and again, this is a fictional story. It's science fiction. I get that, but it's dealing with very real themes, courage, bravery, heroism, love, you know, you know, pursuits of love, things like that. These are very real and relevant and relatable things that any one of us watching this show could dive into and say, yeah, yeah, that makes sense to me. But this ending to me, it doesn't make sense. And it can't be the happiest of endings. And it shouldn't be considered to be the happiest of endings. What would have been the best ending to me is if Tenchi actually makes a decision and, and chooses one of them. And there actually is a good ending because on the flip side of this, Tenshi marries one of them, commits himself to one person, she commits herself to him, and then the other six, I, mean, I don't know about that animal person <laughs> or whatever, but 
maybe she finds another one who's like her. I have no idea. But anyway, uh, those other six then have the opportunity to have someone do the same thing for them, which would be to commit completely to them and to give them all of themselves so that they could be uplifted and they can be encouraged. But to have this ending where all seven of them marry him uh, and to think that it can be projected as the proper ending, I, I believe is wrong. You know, it's not the best ending. It's actually, it's not the happiest ending either. Even if it's being portrayed as such, it's not going to be the happiest ending. It really is just a teenager's fantasy at that point. It's not realistic from a mature standpoint. And yeah, of course, of, of course, Josh. Okay. Oh yeah. JCL, we, uh, you know, it's just a show. You shouldn't, you know, dive into it that deeply, but it's a show that has influence. It has a show with, like I said, very relatable themes in it. And it's very easy for entertainment to educate us and to try to educate us that this is the best proper means by which to do something and uh, to cozy up to these ideas of which I would have to reject in the sense. I have to say, well, yeah, this was not the best ending for the show. I would have preferred to see me personally. I would prefer to see Tenchi with Ryoko. Um, but again, that's, that's just me. That's just, that's just my, my, uh, my personal desire for the end of that, end of that show. But anyway, uh, so first time on the air in a while, and I wanted to do analysis because I've been kind of punching around with this, this topic for a while. And, uh, just like I said, wanted to do something a little bit off of the mainstream line of news and, and media information that's out here right now. So, uh, that's, primarily why I want to do this episode. So I hope you enjoyed it. Again, be sure to like, share, subscribe to the Writer's Lens for more on storytelling and themes and concepts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I promise not to go on sabbatical for the rest of the year. I will be back intermittently. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this episode and a reprieve from everything else that you might be listening to or reading about today. So until next time, guys, this is JCL Felto for the Writer's Lens.